This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Pre-recorded from Joe's mom's basement, it's a rewind episode of The Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey everyone, I'm Griffin the Intern, or like the fellas in my competitive sledding club like to call me, the Fintern. Joe and OG are busy playing with all their new toys. Who knew that even so-called adults would love playing with the packaging more than the gifts? While they're playing hide-and-seek with tie boxes and underwear wrapping, I'm here with you on podcast duty. It took a lot of searching through what can only be described as a wrapping paper horror story, but I finally managed to find the flash drive that fell out of the onesie Joe's mom got him. Yeah, I will not forget that anytime soon. I plugged in the flash drive, and what do you know, I found episode 350, How Rich Is Your Life, with Michael K. I picked this popular episode because he shared some money messages we don't normally hear from guests on this show, and he talked about how to change where you're at today so that you feel far more rich with the money you already have. This is a full episode, of course, so the guys also bring you headlines, Doug's trivia, a letter, and of course, a voicemail. Remember to disregard any investment info or giveaway mentions because this episode was originally from June 2016. Enjoy, Fintern out. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying in baseball. No crying. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I've decided based on our guest today that I'm going to invest everything in baseball cards. Today, we bring you CFP Michael Kay, who believes in aligning your goals with your investments. Because I absolutely love baseball, it's all tops and bubblegum for me. Do they even still make bubblegum with baseball cards? Doesn't matter. I've got some 40-year-old bubblegum that's got to be worth a fortune. Also, on today's show, some not-so-shocking news about 401k participants being lazy, a call on the Quotacy hotline with a question about whether to invest or pay down debt, my phenomenal trivia, and more. And here they are, two guys whose only goal is to, at some point, broadcast from outside the basement, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Oh, what a happy Monday it is, man. It's always good to be on Monday. Did you have a good Father's Day? I did, well, I did, considering... The fact that uh, my kids are away at school and I didn't see either one of them. Got nice calls from them. That was good. Did you still get gifts? That's the only real thing that matters. Do you know what's funny? You buy yourself gifts, don't you? I did. Yep. I told no, an- Another Sonos? No. Oh. Because that was kind of your theme for a while was Sonos for Christmas, Sonos for birthday, Sonos for Father's Day. Yes. Three Sonos! Oh, sorry. Yeah. We didn't do that. 
you know, for my birthday, I got the Nest. Uh, ah, yes. But the, for Father's Day, for Father's Day, I upgraded the Xbox to the Xbox One. Smart. But I, but I did that a couple weeks ago. Sure. And now, what do you? How do you feel about the new Xbox One S coming out? Like right on the heels of you getting your Xbox, going. So I waited. Let's use a financial term here, man. Sunk cost, right? Sunk cost. Don't think gotcha. about sunk cost. That's all behind you. What is that called? Uh, survivor guilt or something? Yeah, it's survivorship Survi- bias. Su- survivor bias, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Stack and Benjamin Show. I am Joe Saul Seahigh, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And across this rickety card table from me, it's the one and only OG. We should upgrade this card table to be less rickety. We should, but that's half the fun of the show. But we could upgrade the basement. Holy cow. Well, like one person has to like lean on the corner. Otherwise, the whole table rocks. Don't you love going to dinner like restaurants like that? You figure out that your table's the one that like... That just kills me. Yeah. I'm like, wouldn't you have solved that? I mean, that's an easy thing to fix. And it just... A couple equal packets underneath the edge of the thing and you're done. <laughs> totally great. I'm not going to tell you which former guest their book is under that, <laughs> that corner. It's just horrible to admit. Ah, but you know, it isn't horrible to admit that I love going to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money OG. We got a great, great note from uh, Gina. Gina said that she went to magnify money and saved a bunch of money. In fact, the average person saves 450 bucks. Here's what's at magnify money. You have better checking accounts, savings accounts, and you also have better debt products. So if you're redoing your debt strategy, you're deciding it's finally time to quit paying that big bank, all those fees, or you want to upgrade your savings to an emergency fund that's going to actually earn you something instead of nothing, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. And get this, when you're looking at your debt strategy, the number one place, according to magnify money, is SoFi, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SOFI, especially for those student loans. Listen, if you're somebody listening to this and you have student loans at a high interest rate and you're not going to be eligible for any of the income repayment programs, any of the special programs that are out there, it's time to head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash SoFi. And here's what they're doing for you because you're a Stacky Benjamins listener. They're going to throw in a hundred bucks, which you can also apply to that, getting that rid of that student debt. So, Or to dinner. Or, yeah, or send it to your favorite podcaster. That's there really, you go. That's probably the best choice. That is easily the best choice. Hey, we've got the best choice. It's so bad at segues. Uh, we've got the best choice for people to be on this show. Michael K coming on. And you know what? OG, this is all behavioral week. We are talking behaviors. And I know this is your, you talk about people fighting. This is my bread and butter. I know. People fighting the wrong dragon. Michael K is the author of the Feel Rich Project, reinventing your understanding of true wealth to find true happiness. He says, we're all chasing the wrong stuff. You know, we're so busy chasing the Joneses that we're not actually thinking about what really makes us happy. And once we align what makes us happy with our money and they're all going the same way, then we actually get what we want. True alignment. Yeah, way better stuff. Uh, Michael K coming down to the basement. But first, we've got some awesome headlines. So let's do this. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our stacking Benjamin's headlines. First headline comes to us from Tupa. I love it when people send us headlines and say, what do you think about this, Joe? Steve Stewart, not only engineer of this. What'd you do? Sorry. I'm <laughs> fidgeting. Steve Stewart. I'm like, why are you banging your hand? Uh, Steve Stewart, not only engineers this fine podcast, but also is an awesome podcast of his own. As you know, no debt, no credit, no problem. Steve 
sent me this, and this is from 401kspecialistmag.com, which uh, 401k specialist, do you get that magazine? No. No? It's, I was just going to make a joke about like how there's a magazine for everything these days. It, but there truly is, isn't there? Industry rag for 401ks, but it says 401k participants, loyal or lazy. This is by John Sullivan. We all know about the problem of orphaned. 401k accounts. Is that a Mm -hmm. symptom of something bigger? A new study finds many quote loyal financial services customers are really dissatisfied investors sitting on the sideline because of only one thing. OG inertia. Amen. Laziness offering true financial services providers and advisors an opportunity for new customer acquisition. According to this new study from investor research firm hearts and wallets, they say the latent potential is of an estimated market of 47 million households with $15 trillion in addition to the actively shopping segment of Americans considering money movement. $15 trillion in lazy money. Pocket change to a guy like you. Sitting in places it's not supposed to be. Yeah. You know what? There's a couple things. That, let's talk about having your 401k in the wrong place. Because if somebody's listening to this and their 401k, they have this old... Yeah, what does it mean to have it in the wrong place? Yeah, yeah. they're like, oh yeah, I got this old 401k. What does that mean? For me, it has very little to do with being in the wrong place. You know, a lot of times people say, I don't want my old company to have my money. Okay. That has nothing to do with anything. Your old company actually doesn't even have your money. Yeah. My dad, I've got so many great stories about my dad and his aversion to technology in the 19th century and the 20th century and the 21st century that um, it would just blow your mind. But when, when I started being an advisor, I said, Daddy, you got to do your 401k. He goes, I'm not giving those sons of any more of my money. You know, <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, I just don't get it. But uh, so some people think that. I think it has more to do with just losing track of it. And you'd say to yourself, oh, I'd never forget about that. Uh-huh. The unclaimed property list in your state says otherwise. Huge. Huge list. By the way, plug for that. If you haven't gone to your own state's unclaimed property or the state where you used to live and put your name in there just to see what pops up, you'd be blown away how many times you find family relatives yourself who have $100 sitting in a bank account or $58 in a savings bond that, you know, that grandma left you or something like that. Let's see how much money we can raise. Everybody go to your unclaimed property a site for the state you live, the state you used to live and write us and tell us how much. Yeah. Money like have. look your family up to, you know, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, that sort of thing. You'd be surprised at how much stuff you find. I would love to but anyway, that. so the 401k stuff to me, it's more about keeping track of it because if, if, if you change jobs as frequently as, as the average person, you're going to have a lot of little 401k balances. Right. Number one, that's terribly inefficient, hard to invest that way hard to create a diversified strategy by having some money at this place and some money at that place. And you get an overlap and all that sort of jazz. But the biggest thing is that you just lose track of it. Yeah. And when you lose track of it, not so great things happen. Right. I mean, here's what I've found is that people say, oh, I've got this little bit of money sitting over here. But you look at compounding interest, interest on interest on interest. If, if you've got this money that's in this account and you're thinking of it, well, that really doesn't count. Every dollar counts, man. Well, I would say the other thing that happens too, and and it seems like it happens more than not with small balance accounts, is the attitude of, well, you know, it's only like five grand. I'm just going to take it out. Do you kind of feel that way too, where you'd have a client that would say, oh, I just, you know, I was only there for a year. I only got 4,500 in. I'm just, that's just a small one. Let's just take that out. Yeah. And that's somebody that doesn't. Dummy. (laughs) It's still retirement money. They don't understand all the rules. I mean, 
you're going to have the 10% federal penalty. You'll also pay taxes if you're into today. So let's say that that's, you know, 15% maybe. Yeah. Uh, so there's 25% of your money gone right there plus, before. Plus state taxes. Yeah, whatever. You might, it's, it's, so, opportunity costs. So Yeah. Well, you look at that. I mean, I used to, when I gave speeches all the time, I talked about this guy, Tom, that took his money out. And he was 30 years old. And he took $14,000 out of his 401k and, and his old 401k. You know what he used that money for, by the way? Cocaine and hookers? <laughs> no, the other thing. A car, right? Oh, a car, yes. Right. And of course, $14,000 couldn't buy a new car with that money. And what's it was fun- a down payment on a new car. It's, it's right. So he, he got a car and he got debt. And he's like, well, it wasn't that much money. I've got this other job. So I'm, I can, you know, all the yeah, things we just all said. All the reasons. All, all the rationalizations. The and what I did was went through the rule of 72. So let's do that right now. So Tom's 30 years old. Rule of 72 says he wants to retire at 65, right? Let's say he gets 8% on his money. Here's the way the rule of 72 works. If you take the interest rate you think you're going to get and you divide it into 72, 72 happens to be this mathematical, magical number, which shows you how long it's going to take your money to double, right? Which is mm-hmm. pretty cool. You can do it. I mean, and it's not perfect, but it's close. It's really close. Yeah. Yeah. So 872 into 72, every nine years, Tom's money's going to double. So I said, all right, this isn't 14,000 bucks because it would have doubled at 39, would have doubled at 48, would have doubled at 57, and again at 66, pretty close to 65, right? So that money would have doubled four times. So that isn't 14,000. And by the way, he didn't get 14,000, right? I mean, he paid all those taxes. Let's say he paid 25 or 30% in taxes. He got what, eight or nine? So that money instead... Eight or nine thousand for the car versus four times doubling, which means not fourteen thousand, twenty-eight thousand for retirement, fifty-six, a hundred and twelve, two hundred and twenty-four thousand dollars toward retirement that he gave up if he just gets eight percent. Must be a nice car. That's gotta be a great, great car. I, th- I think that uh, makes the point, doesn't it? Our next headline comes to us from our friends at Thumbtack, where people go to find professionals to do work for them. They had a study that they commissioned, and I found this really interesting. Lucas Puente, who's an economist at Thumbtack, sent this to me. It's a small business friendliness study. They reached out to 12,000 plus small business owners, skilled professionals providing services from photography to plumbing to wedding planning to grade the different states and cities around the United States. So of all the people that they looked at who are these small business professionals, well, let's see how, how good you can do at this, OG. First of all, how many of these small business entrepreneurs, men versus women, who won? Women. 60, 40 men. Oh. The age that they- That was a no-win question, by the way. <laughs> That's right. The age they started their business. What's the primary age? 38. Bam, 35 to 44. Yeah. And, and by the way, that surprises people. But it generally, and the successful small business owners we've seen these studies are generally a little bit older. They've had a little bit of experience working for the man, right? They know how things work. They know how the system works. Mm-hmm. And then they go out and they create a better mousetrap. In fact, look at all the people that are over 50 that have created huge businesses. Just amazing. Number of employees, most people, just themselves, 60% just them. Mm-hmm. In terms of political affiliation, conservative, moderate, liberal, and don't not gonna play this game. And and don't affiliate. Well, just think about it. Mostly conservative. Believe it or not, it's almost evenly split. 
31% moderate, 14% don't affiliate, 31% conservative, 24% liberal. So they do skew a little bit, but, but I think that that don't affiliate at all kind of throws that question out of whack. I found, I, I did find that a little surprising. Ethnicity, 67% white or Caucasian, 14% black or African-American, 10% Hispanic, 2% Asian. You know, the lack of entrepreneurs that are in the African-American market is kind of disturbing. We've talked about that just briefly. Education level, most people have a four-year degree. The surprising thing is number two, 30% of a four-year degree OG, 29% have only high school or GED, which also shows you don't need college to start a successful small business. Yeah. You can. Street smarts. You can learn. School of hard knocks. Absolutely. Uh, uh, So uh, those are interesting. The other thing I found interesting, best climate for skilled professionals. Best state to work in, OG? Texas. Texas is number one. And it's funny. Does that surprise you? No. It, it, It doesn't surprise me either. And I think that that's, I think it has most to do with pack hunting. I think it has to do with surrounding yourself with like-minded people. And I think you look at the center San Antonio's listed as number one. And then you've got Nashville and Memphis, by the way, are two and three. Tennessee is number three on the board behind Utah. Fort Worth is number four. Houston's number five. Dallas is number six. And I think that has to do with so many like-minded people in those markets. Everybody sings from the same song sheet here in Texarkana and the rest of the state of Texas. Right. By the way, worst place to start a business uh, worst state in the United States. It's New York or California. Well, what's funny is New York and California. Uh, New York is second from the bottom and California is third from the bottom. Okay. Uh, hold on. So it's going to be uh, this, Illinois. This one kind of surprised, but that's funny. Illinois is four from the bottom. Gosh darn it. Okay. <laughs> um, worst state. It's Show surprising. me Maryland. I don't think you're going to get it. Connecticut is five from the bottom, but Alabama. It's Alabama. Yeah, and if you've been to Huntsville, like Huntsville, Alabama, there's a lot of cool. technology and the and the NASA stuff, and yeah. so Alabama, surprising to me there. Uh, I, would, yeah, I, I figured Northeaster. Even though, yeah. as as you know, I can do without all this Roll Tide stuff. Going to get the roll hate mail there, aren't I? Roll Tide. <laughs> all right, uh, I will link to that study. I think I don't know what you do with that uh, uh, as an entrepreneur. Ex- you moved to Texas. <laughs> Pew, pew. Move to Texas, Utah, or Tennessee, and you're good. That's yep. probably it. But the more likely thing to learn from these headlines, you have that old 401k sitting over there? Don't don't let it sit. Don't let it sit there. Move that thing. Make a decision. Yeah. Value-based investing, I think, is what I really like to call this, but that's not, you know, that's it's kind of a jargony name, but you're all about value-based investing. No? You're giving me a look. About getting returns. What are you talking about, value-based investing? I mean, starting off with your goals and what your values are and working from there. Yeah. I don't personally put a lot of values into investing, right? Like, like there's uh, some clients that would say, I don't want to invest in any companies that do business with tobacco manufacturers. I'm not talking about that. Oh, okay. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. I'm not talking about socially responsible investing. I'm talking about people chasing just what everybody else is chasing instead of chasing their own dream, chasing their own goal. You know, people that say, you know what? 
I really want to have a garden in retirement. And I want to do these different things. Like people that say they want to golf for 30 years, I, I call baloney. Yeah. I see what you're saying. You're talking more about like goal-based planning. Absolutely. Yeah. What what, oh, are, yeah. what are your things that you're chasing? What are your values in life and what do you want to get out of life? And that's what Michael K is all about uh, coming down to the basement. Definitely, definitely something totally different than, than what you were talking about. Oh, gee. The uh, Michael. Good, because I don't <laughs> like that stuff I was talking about. <laughs> Actually, I do, but that's a whole different topic. Uh, Michael Kay is the CFP and the president of Financial Life Focus, which is a fee-only firm. He and his advice have been featured on the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Fox Business, Forbes, and Psychology Today. And he talks about the psychology of being a good investor. So let's say hello, Michael Kay, coming down to the basement. CFP Michael K joins us in the basement. Welcome, man. Oh, it's great to be here. I'm glad you could make room for us, you know, all the way out here in the country on your worldwide book tour. Well, it's been it's been quite a journey from town to town and village to village, making my way through uh, all the various adventures and mishaps along the way. Right. And basement to basement, right? Right. Basement to basement, for sure. <laughs> well, let's start here. Where do people get it wrong with their money-making decisions? It really starts with their belief that they're thinking, that their normal thinking that's imbued into their DNA is correct. Because we all operate from this system that what we learn growing up is normal and real and correct. Why would we think otherwise? However, for some people, they have installed through their child experience that things might not be working right as well as they'd like it to with their values. That's funny because I talk to lots of authors, as you know, and most, you know, jump right into stocks, bonds. You're a certified financial planner. You manage a company with other certified financial planners. You know all that stuff. But as I'm reading through your book, you don't talk about any of that. How come? Well, because it, it all starts with our beliefs our behaviors, and our habits. Everything else from there is acquirable knowledge. The nuts and bolts of financial planning, and my book is not about a do-it-yourself financial planning kit, but it's more about this idea of this awareness, this self-awareness of what are the messages, the money imprints that we have, do they work for us, or are they pulling us apart and causing us to live in, in money misery? And so this idea of you know the nuts and bolts of financial planning Hey, you could read a book, you could go work with a planner, you could, you know, surf the internet, you could listen to very wise podcasts like Stacking Benjamins and join <laughs> you in, in, your, in your basement and really learn a lot of the nuts and bolts information. But this stuff goes right down to your core. This is the stuff of what you believe about money and the messages that you carry with you that makes all the difference in the world. It's funny because back in the day when I was a financial planner, Michael, these are the conversations that I wanted to have with people. And these are the conversations people didn't want to have, right? Is it because it feels so personal, like we're invading into this personal spot where we just don't want to go? What's more personal than money? People will talk about the uh, grisliest details of their sex life before they'll talk about their money and money experiences. So I think what we've created here, and, and there's a wonderful community 
in the financial planning world of financial life planners. And this community really has tapped into this idea of the qualitative aspects of money. What are the things that drive people's decisions? What are the stumbling blocks? And what are the things that keep us stuck from really living the life that we crave and deserve and desire so greatly that we can talk about these things in a safe, non-judgmental environment? You talked earlier about imprints, and I'm sure we all have these things, as you mentioned, in our childhood that happen. Is, is there one that you see more often than the others? Is there one stumbling block that it seems like more people have? Well, it, it really depends on the experience, and it could happen with birth order. It can happen with what's going on in the home. I have experienced, certainly with older clients who might have either grown up in the, in the Depression or their parents were children of the Depression, that their ideas about money are fixed in a certain way. And it falls into two main groups, one being they won't spend a nickel. The other group is they won't save a nickel. And it's because of how they transformed or how they absorbed, rather, the messages about money and want and feeling less than. So predominantly, you see different things depending on age groups and experience. We see clients who come in who grew up without a lot of money and they felt poor and they felt wanting. And so their experience about money is very different than someone who grew up with wealth and entitlement and their beliefs around money. So it, it really depends on the individual experience and, and the messages they learned. I sh- and I, I shouldn't even say learned because it's not learned. It's really just right. acquired yeah. And what's funny is we've never examined the fact that we acquired these messages. And I'm sure a lot of the time they're totally mixed messages. Absolutely. Absolutely true. They, they can be very mixed messages. You know, for example, someone might grow up where their parents believe that, you know, it's really important to show that you're successful or grew up in a family where money was a source of argument and conflict in the home. Uh, so just experiencing those things created this feeling that money equals conflict or people with money are not good or people with money are better than you are. So those are some of the messages and some of the imprints that we wind up with through no fault of our own. So getting past this blame and shame about money and where we are, and let's also remember, it's a big exclamation point on the page, is that so much of what people think they want is what's fed to us through the media of what does it mean to be rich? It means uh, that you live like the Kardashians or you have uh, you go to vacation on private islands and you have a private jet and you're drinking champagne and whatever. And these are the markings of wealth, but it has nothing to do with each of our realities. Yeah, it's funny because I know there's, and you know too, Michael, that there's some people listening to this going, oh, this is just a much bubble jumbo. We should be talking about stocks and bonds and where the economy's headed and yada, yada, yada. Yet, like if somebody listening to this has credit card debt, you can't get out of credit card debt until you go deep and find out why the hell you actually constantly have to turn to the credit card in the first place. Sure. Just think about the idea that the thing that drives us to make decisions is that little center in our brain that is telling us it's the child inside of us that says, I, I need this. I, it's not a want, it's a need. I have to have this. I have to do this. I have to, to join uh, the country club or I have to go on this vacation or I have to provide uh, a certain lifestyle because otherwise I'll be perceived, I'll be judged as less than rather than 
celebrating where you are, what you're doing, what you care most about, what is that you value most. And I will tell you in my many, many years of experience, the thing that people care most about, they want to put their heads on the pillow at night and feel that they're on the right path. Not necessarily that they've arrived, but they're on the right path. They want to know that they're not going to outlive their resources and that they've articulated the things that are most important to them and that they can make the decision of what brings them closer to or further away from that goal. And it has nothing to do with picking a stock, a mutual <laughs> fund, or, you know, or, or what the deductible should be on their, uh, on their homeowner's insurance. Yeah, really, uh, all those things are driven by the type of stuff that you're talking about here. For sure. Uh, everything has to do with what our mindset is around money and, and, and really ha- putting the brakes on, you know, applying the brakes so that you can examine what you're doing, what you're thinking about, why you're thinking about it before you make a decision and putting in a system that supports you in making better decisions that bring you closer to. We live in an autopilot world. Everything you just, you know, you get up in the morning, you grab the toothbrush with the same hand, you put your socks on before you put your pants on. You, everything is, we don't think about it. We don't think about the, the way we go to work or in your case, climb down the steps into the basement. <laughs> but, uh, you know, do you start with your left foot or your right foot? We, these are things that it's like breathing. We don't think about them. So what I want people to do is to say, whoa, let's, let's pump the brakes a bit. Let's think about what is it that we care about most? What are our experiences that, that prevent us from making better decisions? Let's understand it. What is happiness? What is financial happiness? What is true wealth? And, you know, is is it spending time with your family? Is it, uh, you know, going on a hike, you know, and laughter and, Whatever it is that you define as really making you happy and the wealth of uh, living the life that's important to you, stuff at the end of the day is never the thing. It's, it's just like, you know, the, 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 the saying that we've heard, you know, time and time again is no one on their deathbed ever, you know, ever felt bad that they didn't work harder or, right. you know, spend more time in the office. It's, it is about your values. And while some people might look at that and say it's, that's a very hokey, very kind of corny approach, but we only have this life to kind of work through. So let's try and get it right by writing our, you know, making better decisions that bring us closer to what's really important. And all the other stuff is just stuff. And, you know, I'm giving you permission right now to say, you know what, Eh, keep trying to keep up with the neighbors or the or the colleagues or the family is way too much work and it only makes us miserable it feels so good when you get rid of that baggage oh it's 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 like uh it's like a a a spring day in texarkana (laughs) (laughs) definitely not a summer day but it's funny that's why why i said spring (laughs) you talk about automatic pilot mom even slaps me with the same hand so that's that's uh, something right there. When people when people talk about what they want with you, are you ever surprised? Wow, you know you know what it, I, it was really interesting. We had a couple in who they're pretty varied in age. It was a second marriage for him, and uh, he was nearing retirement, and they had a young child. And we started talking about what does your life look? You know, do you want to move? Do you want to uh, upgrade your house? What are the things that you want most? What are the things that we're aiming this financial plan at? And he said. No, he goes, I really don't want anything. He said, you know, I know what it's like for people who don't have bathrooms or don't have running water. He goes, I'm 
really happy with my very simple life. And I just want to make sure that I can provide for my family. And he talked about his time in the Peace Corps working in Africa, you know, helping people who didn't have bathrooms and gave him an appreciation. But generally people, when you get down to it, is they look at their lifestyle and their lifestyle might be X, but their values are Y. And that's when they have this aha moment of, wow, I'm living a lifestyle that's really not in alignment with what I really care about. So there might be people who are spending big money to support a lifestyle, but they're driving over the cliff because they can't sustain it. And the things that they really want is spend more time with their children and their grandchildren and things like that. And whoa, you see them slam the brakes on and say, whoa, you know, we really need to think differently. The initial conversations might be, I'd like to buy a vineyard or I'd like to um, travel eight months of the year and have two places to live. That might be the conversation on the first meeting. But after we start talking about what's really important, their values really shine through. That's funny. So I'm just guessing when somebody says, oh, I want to play golf more, you realize they haven't even started to touch the surface. It's one of, it's really one of the, the funnier moments. I'm saying like, okay, you're going to play golf 365 <laughs> days a year. Um, what if it rains? What if you twist your knee or you strain a ligament or, you know, what are you going to do then? You're not going to sit at home and watch Oprah on TV. What, what are you going to do? Michael, I had, and, a, I had a client and he was joking, but, but as I was telling him exactly very close to what you're saying, I'm like, really? What did, and he said, Joe, I accept your challenge. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I, 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 we had a, a situation with a, a client where uh, the, 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 the husband was a business owner and he was getting ready to sell his business. And we talked to him about like, okay, what, what happens after you sell the business that he spent, you know, six days a week at and worked real hard and he says, well, I want to play golf. And his wife says, excuse me. She looks at him and she looks at us and she says, you can play golf two days a week. You're going to work two days a week. You're going to volunteer your time two days a week. And the last day, wild card. He nodded his head. And <laughs> that was the end of the conversation. <laughs> Drop the mic, leave the room. That's a whole different book, Michael. Yeah, it, it, really, it really could be. <laughs> the, book, the book is The Feel Rich Project, Reinventing Your Understanding of True Wealth to Find True Happiness. I, I love the stuff that you cover here, the F word, which, you know, that was my favorite chapter until I saw what the F word really was. And then, uh, not sorry. So much. Yeah. Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> What's in the bags, adjusting your money mindset. And at the end of the book, you actually do dive into the numbers, but that's exactly kind of like we talked about today, Michael. The numbers are in the back, right? Because once we have all this stuff down and now we have our values in order. Now we take the budget and we start examining that based on those values. Yeah, actually, I bring in the idea of numbers in pretty much in the beginning of the book as well, and then come back to it in a heavier way. Right. right. So I want people to, to start connecting the quantitative numbers with the qualitative aspects, with the ideas of their fears, their wants, their understanding the difference between need and want, uh, what's discretionary, what's not discretionary. So I, I really want people to start exercising both sides of their brain and take it off autopilot. So I, I kind of go back and forth between the numbers and the other side of understanding what their mindsets are and how to create better thoughts and plans around their money, uh, their messages that they tote around. It's really important for people to keep reinvigorating and reminding and rereading 
these things that they go through in the worksheets to help them really kind of dig a little deeper than, you know, just the normal, I live my life, I buy what I buy. And every time the phone rings, I, the chill goes up my spine because it could be another bill collector and living at the edge of solvency. It's a terrible way to live and you don't have to. Yeah. It could be a fully examined life. Good stuff. Uh, where can we get the book? Uh, the book is available uh, on Amazon, at, on Barnes & Noble, it's in the stores. So it's out there and hopefully will be out there with more demand. So I'm depending on you and all your fans uh, <laughs> across the land to demand that the books are on the shelf. Amen. And our friend Michelle Singletary is on the front cover too. Yes, she is. I, I very much appreciate and respect the work that she does. Uh, I also had some other great people come in and add their words to it. Brad Klontz, who is uh, a luminary in the uh, financial psychology side of, of the business, also a financial planner. Carl Richards. Yeah, who Carl. Wrote, I see Carl on the back cover here. Carl's right, been who, on the who, show. Exactly. So uh, I, I think that the, the, the approach that I've taken, which is really taking the, the financial life planning idea, which we believe very strongly, you know, there, there are people out there that don't even know that financial life planning exists, nor how to find them. So I felt that this was a way of getting the knowledge out to the public that, you know what, it's more than what mutual fund you pick or what the internal expenses are or whether you pick a 20-year level term versus a 30-year level term insurance policy. It's really about your life and your money and your values. Thanks for hanging out with us, man. Oh, this has been great. I will uh, get ready to climb the stairs out of the basement and uh, continue my journey across the land. Hey, everyone. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And boy, that was just a little disappointing. I bought tons of baseball cards, and it, it turns out that's not what Michael Kay was talking about at all, which is really rare for me because I'm usually dialed into exactly what all these financial knuckleheads are talking about. Anyone want this year's Mike Pelfrey's Detroit Tiger card? Because it's going to be pretty valuable when they send it back to the miners next week. Guy's awful. Hey, but here's something better. Today's trivia. You know, I'm not getting rich on these baseball cards, but Walt Disney became wealthy on the backs of a couple of mice, a dog, whatever that goofy is, and, and some ducks. So what is Donald Duck's middle name, after all? I'll have the answer to that and a great deal on bubblegum in just a few moments. I'm so excited to have two sponsors that we really love that are super helpful to so many people. Our first is Magnify Money. Check them out at stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. And if you're somebody like a lot of us that didn't get an education about money in school, well, guess what? Magnify Money will not only help you compare your checking, your savings and your credit cards. They also have a graduate guide. What's a graduate guide? Well, Nick Clements, CEO of Magnify Money, told us what it's all about. Right. Well, we went out and we pulled recent college graduates who are about five years out and said, what are your biggest regrets? And some of their biggest regrets were not handling their student loans right away when they got out of school, organizing them and finding out the, the best way to pay and manage that going forward. And another was just not learning enough about about their personal finances. And so what we've done is based upon the regrets of people who graduated five years ago, we put together a checklist so that as long as you follow that list, you at least will not have the regrets, uh, the same regrets that these people have. There it is. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money for you or the graduate in your life to get an education about getting their financial house in order. 
And if you've listened to the show before, you know I'm also excited about our second sponsor, SoFi. That's S-O-F-I. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SoFi to check them out. And I've said in the past that you're not going to beat the interest rate on a student loan or on personal loans or mortgages outside of SoFi. However, I've also said you need a high credit score. What What is a high credit score and how does SoFi look at your credit? We asked Dan Macklin over at SoFi how it works. So there's no absolute minimum uh, that we have, but generally if you're in the 700s and above, then then you have a great chance of being approved. But credit, is, uh, credit score is not the only thing we're looking for. There's a variety of measures, but it's one of them. So even though it's not the only thing they look at. It's an important qualifier. So clean up your credit and then head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SoFi when you're ready to get your mortgage, refinance your debt through a personal loan, or look at those student loans to get the interest rate down to something more manageable. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and man, do I have a deal for you. If you figure out someone to buy three cases of mostly worthless, already open packs of baseball cards, you and I can be bestest buddies. Promise. But only until Joe's mom wants to go to the Sizzler. Then I'm taken, because she's always buying. Anyway, let's get you some trivia, shall we? Here was the question. Walt Disney made bundles of money on the backs of some cartoon characters, among other things, named Donald Duck. What was Donald's middle name? If you said Larry, that'd be awesome. That'd be so sweet. Donald Larry Duck. But it'd be wrong. Donald's middle name is Fauntleroy. <laughs> I bet he got beat up a bunch at school. And my middle name is Mud if I don't get these baseball cards out of the basement before Joe's mom gets back home. I'm out of here. I know who gave us that trivia. You know, I always got a list of them ready to go. Talk about that. I mean, Doug mentioned this, but Walt Disney just has made money hand over fist with that middle name. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's got a little, one of those little R's with a circle around it. Yeah. TM. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get a cease and desist from the Walt Disney Corporation for even right. using that trivia. Actually, we probably won't. I think they like us. You know, let's keep let's keep those characters in the news, right? Absolutely. Hey, speaking Tell of me the, a little Donald Duck. Yeah. Hey, uh, let's jump into the courtesy hotline, OG. Why spend time with a boring insurance agent when you can very quickly in a few keystrokes find out just how much insurance you need or click the disability insurance button on their site. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Q U O T A C Y. And that'll take you to Quotacy. Next up on the Quotacy hotline is Jack. Say hello, Jack. Hi, Joe and OG. My name is Jack. I'm in sunny Pensacola, Florida, and I'm hoping to pick your brains on this one. I have about $2,000 saved for an emergency and a 3% interest unsecured loan with a $19,000 balance remaining. It's the USAA Career Starter Loan. I'm wondering whether I should be putting any extra savings into my emergency fund or into paying down the debt early. I'll give a brief background. I'm in the military, which is generally considered a safe source of income, but I'm in flight training, so there's always a risk in the next year or so of getting medically disqualified or flunking out. If either were to happen, there's no guarantee I'd have a job for more than a few months. 
Also, in that case, my loan interest rate would jump up to 18%. Yikes. I have a degree in computer engineering and decent internship experience under my belt, so finding a new job shouldn't be too much of a problem, but I know there's still potential moving costs, transitional time, and associated expenses to take into account. So what do you guys think? Put more into my savings or pay down my debt? Thanks a lot, and keep up the great work on the show. Great question, Jack, and uh, thanks for your service. Uh, Flight school in Pensacola. How about that, man? That's cool. I knew a couple guys. Uh, I know a guy. Who who went through flight school. I know a guy. I, I saw this movie about him in the 80s. His name is Maverick. I bet Jack's name is really Maverick. Do you think so? He sounded like a Maverick. Or Goose. <laughs> no, not, not Goose. Hopefully he doesn't want to be Goose. No, no, no. You don't want to be Goose. Not yeah. Spoiler alert there. But, <laughs> spoiler. <laughs> <is> it, <laughs> uh, uh, I love this question. Pay down the debt. That's at a great interest rate. So at first, I thought interest rate mattered until he said, well, if I'm out of the service, it goes up to 18%. Yeah, I don't know that. Um, I, I don't. I, it seems to me like they would just reassign him if he uh, kind of unks out of, that's a military term, unk, by the way. If he unks out of flight school, I think he'd go and be like a tank commander or something. But I like being cautious, number one. And number two is he he knows better than you and I do what his career trajectory is. Yeah. I'm going, uh, this is kind of easy for me. I go build cash reserve. 3,000 is kind of light in the cash department. You're a young officer in flight school. I know you're making probably about 36 some odd thousand dollars a year as a second lieutenant. So, Yeah. You should probably have about ten or twelve grand set aside. Well, here's the cool thing, OG, is that if he socks it all away now, that interest rate on that loan is very low. Socks it all into that emergency fund, and then if things work out the way that Jack thinks they're going to, guess what he can do then? He can use a lot of that accumulated money sure. later. And the cost of that, the three percent cost of that, wasn't high. I agree. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks for the question, Jack. If you've got a question for the hotline, send those. We're gonna call him Captain Jack. Captain Jack. Yeah, uh, he's probably not a captain. Lieutenant Jack. Yeah. Lieutenant Dan. But he's well on his way, right? I think so. Yes. Uh, send your questions for the Courtesy Hotline to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. That's where you go. Very easy to do. See how easy that was for Jack? Super easy. All Super right. Simple. Let's jump over to the mailbag because people send us letters. This comes from our friend Greg over on Twitter. Greg says, and actually, the letter actually came through uh, email, but we, we talk to Greg quite often on Twitter. Hi, Joe. Do you know much about homeowners insurance coverage and differences between Form 3 and Form 5 coverage? My agent asked if I wanted to go from Form 3 to Form 5. Form 5 costs a little more, and I was wondering if it's worth the money. Thanks for the question, Greg. OG, Form 3 versus Form 5 homeowners coverage. Without Googling it. I'm going to tell you that Form 5 is a little bit more comprehensive. Yes. Uh, so this is the thing with insurances. I hate the fact that your insurance guy said, pick which one you want. Because, I mean, maybe he didn't say it really that way. But he should have said to you, here are the things that you're covered for. Here are the things that you're not covered for under each one of these categories. My formal recommendation is that you pick this option because of these reasons. And here would be the price. Like you and I talked about a week ago. People buy insurance on the stinking costs. And this is kind of what the what was first thing Greg says here. He goes, well, this one costs a little bit more. Who gives a crap? If it covers like 10 times as much stuff. Well, it's know? a cost-benefit cost decision. And the benefit is what pe- most people don't know about. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and all we talked about this last week when it comes to insurance, everybody talks about the cost. Oh, my home insurance is $1,600 a year. Yeah. Oh, mine's 2,500. You're getting ripped off. Like, well, you know, mine covers stuff that yours doesn't probably, right. you know, but insurance agents, by the way, are good at playing that game, not telling you that they are looking at an apple versus an orange to get you to buy the orange. It's so annoying. I had a, when we bought our house, I, I got our homeowners insurance quoted a couple of times from different places. And, you know, and they, the guys, one guy that I had quoted here locally, you know, a local business owner who I'd love to support. And he sends over the stuff and get the whole enchilada package, right? The homeowners, the cars, the jet skis, you know, all this stuff kind of folding in there. And I'm looking at it and go, this is not even close to the same stuff that I had. He's like, well, you don't really need that anymore and that. And I'm like, what? you didn't ask me. You didn't say, why do you have this kind of liability insurance? Or you don't even know what kind of work I do. Maybe I'm a race car driver and I should have that kind of liability. Maybe I have a lot of speeding tickets, you know? And he, he knew what the price I was paying and he beat it by 20 bucks. And when I see, there you go, this yep. is better. There it's it not is. better. It's, it's different stuff. You and know, I pay more money to have better coverage. They propagate the problem by doing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, uh, it just makes me sick. There's a lot of difference between Form 3 and Form 5. I didn't know any of the difference beforehand, so I had to look it up. And let me tell Googled you. It. Yeah, let me tell you the main difference, which is exactly what you said, OG. It's more comprehensive. But you know, and this is not the only difference, but you know how with regular insurance coverage, you have to go and really take pictures of all your stuff because you're going to have to fill out a form. Say your house burns down, get it to fill out a form that says, I had this, I had this, I had this, I had this. Form five eliminates a lot of that line item baloney so that you just, you know what, I've got X amount of coverage and boom, I don't have to go prove every line item and then have that replaced. So, you, so, so with that, they just cut you a check for the interior. So what, the coverage of my house is $100,000 worth of stuff. Here's a check for hundred grand. Furnish your new house. Yeah, it's it's different than replacement value, where I have to have some type of, you know. And by the way, companies are going to take your word for it, right? But you have to remember all the stuff that's in your house. So I always told people when I was an advisor, you know, go through your house with your phone, do a little a video, video camera, yeah. open up everything, and with Form Five, you don't have to do all that. That's <laughs> that's the biggest. It sounds like a pretty good advantage. Yeah, there's a lot of differences, but that's but that's a big one between three and five. So uh, thanks for the question, Greg. And by the way, let's skip over to another discussion. This one was in our close Facebook group, and we're still waiting for you, OG, to show your face in the green room. What's up with that? I will. It, it might have something to do with a uh, baby. Yeah, you got kind of terse with me this morning about coming down to the basement and recording this show and i'm like brother come on man cut me some slack i can't keep i can't keep my shoes on straight i'm not worried about that i we just need a set time yeah but we always change it so <laughs> uh, we had that great tooth fairy discussion you weren't in on this og so i want to bring you into this discussion but let last- me in Pretend yeah. I've been on Facebook. Yeah. yeah, so Friday before last, uh, Mary Beth Storjohan and also Deacon Hayes joined Len Penzo in this spirited discussion about tooth fairies and about how much money the tooth fairy should give because we, we read an article where somebody, 20 bucks and a plush toy. And that nice. was, yeah, that was just huge. How much do the OG kids get from the tooth fairy? I, I, if memory serves correctly, the first one got them five bucks, but everyone a dollar. Okay. Well, it's just easier to fold a dollar up in that. I mean, the tooth fairy told me it's easier to fold a dollar up. That's right. Because most of the time that's how they're folded up anyway. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. <laughs> I love how you pretend to be a player. That just is so awesome. Like, um, uh, some it's of the a, a stack of dollar bills are all like folded, real nice and tight. <laughs> is, is that for Mrs. OG? Is that how Mrs. OG's it? like, hey, I need a couple of bucks to tip the uh, delivery driver. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> He can use these later. Take the effort right out of it. <laughs> does she? Does she tip the delivery driver the same way? Does she leave them all folded up? Yep. She's like <laughs> the UPS guy loves coming to your house. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he comes over. I'm laying on. I'm laying on the porch with the money in my mouth, <laughs> and he's like. What can Brown do for you? <laughs> <laughs> that disco ball on the front porch. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, so here's what here's what people in the green room said about the tooth fairy. I love uh, Michael, who is the first one in the discussion. He he reminded us, OG. That the Tooth Fairy is a magical merchant that only purchases teeth. No bartering's allowed as per the 65th Amendment to the Magical Constitution. A plush toy would thus be unconstitutional, but the cash is fine. And I totally forgot that subruling. Oh, boy. It's going to be one of these discussions. <laughs> yeah. Jay says 5 to $10 max, depending on the pain level when losing the tooth. That's a nice Tooth Fairy. Yeah. Uh, Andy says that her kids got $5 for the first and last of their teeth, a buck for all the others. There you and, go. And if the kid doesn't know, you can make up... <laughs> Tooth Fairy makes up an amount and goes with it. Uh, Steph says Tooth Fairy only brings a dollar to them. Gillian says, when I lose a tooth, I don't get anything, which is probably why I try and keep my teeth. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's a How good one. How many people have actually like forgotten about that? Did you do that when you were, when your kids were young? Did you ever have like a, you wake up in the morning and go, oh crap. What were the Tooth Fairy forgot? The Tooth Fairy just was too busy that day. Yeah, yeah, we we actually had at our house. It was kind of funny. The next day, the the tooth fairy had like a written apology. Nice. Yeah, yeah, that's a the tooth fairy. Tooth fairy was great, but it's funny. We talked about how much the tooth fairy brought, so we saw tooth fairy inflation on that show. So Len, who's the oldest among us, got the least. Then I got a little more, and then Mary Beth got a little more, and Deacon got uh, got got the most. So you could tell whose age was what. Tooth fairy inflation <laughs> has been big. What did you get? I, I was probably at like a quarter. God, I I think I was like I said on the show, it was between a quarter and a dollar. I don't remember. Yeah, maybe fifty cents. Yeah, fifty cents. Yeah. Yeah, Len got a dime. How about that? They even still make dimes. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but those are the kind of hard-hitting discussions we have in the green room discussion going on right now about uh, favorite movie of all time and worst movie that you've ever seen. So uh, head on over to join us, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash green room. Thanks also to everybody who leaves us a review of this here podcast or of the green room podcast. It's very nice. Uh, th- that's how people find the show. So we're always, uh, we feel very thankful when people take a few minutes out of their busy day to leave us a review. And this one's going on mom's fridge, even though in this case, it might, it might have been better to send us a note. And, and I feel really bad. This review, so we had the one-star review we talked about last week, did not make me feel bad. I thought, that person nailed our show. You don't learn anything, right? Okay. If you're going to give me a one-star review for not learning anything, when we tell you up front, you're not going to learn anything. 
fantastic. But th- this one, this one did kind of bother me. Three star reviews by Regal One with two cats. Love that name. Three stars. Podcast of the possibility being excellent, but oh, geez, voice is horrible and his mumbling is so bad that most of what he says gets lost. Clean out your nasal passages and get a dictation coach. Yeah, because the podcast pays really well for a dictation Dang. coach. Dang. <laughs> good, good podcast, but he is horrible. Now, here's here's what here's what's happened since then. And we, <laughs> actually, Sorry, we just... actually had. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 dude, you got to give me a second. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Well, you know what's going on here, OG. We had three people that were haters, apparently, (laughs) that were nice enough to write to us. And what's funny is when we were mixing the show, I didn't hear your microphone issue. And then. So I don't have nasal passage issues? Well, we had a huge microphone issue and actually got some great feedback from listener Ryan, especially. So um, we worked on the microphone. As you can tell, the microphone issues are gone. So somehow, thanks to technology, we have solved that. Uh, and thank you, by the way. So for, I'm not nasally. Well, you're and still. I don't need a dictation coach. You probably do need all those things, but the show's never going to be right for prime time. So, you know, what Dang do you it. do? But thanks, thanks for the note that is going on Mom's fridge because it tells people about the show. This one, next one, Scott from Indy, five stars. I listen to many very fine personal finance podcasts, but Stacking Benjamins is one of the best. Joe and OG have a knack for providing fantastic personal financial education while at the same time presenting it in a fun and entertaining way. The format's A+, delivery A+, Joe, OG, Doug, and the panelists are part of my routine, and I look forward to every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday when the episodes come out. They've even addressed several of my questions on their voicemail feature. You're missing out if you don't include Stacking Benjamins in your own personal finance podcast menu. Thanks, Scott. And that's it, man. Good stuff. Two great reviews going on Mom's Fridge. Wow, man. Monday, Monday. Big thanks to Michael K for coming on the show. For more about Michael K, Doug, I'm sure is going to say this in the credits, but head to our show notes at stackybenjamins.com. I think the lesson that I like from Michael is that the numbers, OG, don't start with the numbers. They start with what do you want? And if you're planning with other people, how do the two of you communicate? It always is surprising to me when my wife and I will talk a little bit about some goal type stuff, how interesting those conversations go because we don't spend a lot of time on it, you know? And, and if I'm not doing it, I know that most people aren't doing it. Right. You know? And I made a list one time. I, in fact, I just saw it the other day cause I was going through, um, I have like all these notebooks, you know, I carry notebooks all the time just to write things down in, but they're not sequential. You have to like find, you're like, well, then I use the purple notebook for a couple of weeks and then the red notebook. So good luck recreating my life story. (laughs) But I found this notebook where I made a list of all the places I wanted to visit. And I remember going through that with Mrs. OG and she was like, I didn't know that you wanted to go to, you know, whatever. We just had a good chat about it. But um, little things like that, where you just assume that, of course, who doesn't want to go to Cedar Point? And then she says, I have no desire to go to Cedar Point. You know, I didn't know you wanted to go to the Grand Tetons. Like, oh, I'd love to go there. You know what I mean? Like those sorts of. And then you think about like retirement planning or college planning or or uh, longer term financial planning. where you are talking about your kids 
you know, what kind of, what vision do you have for them for school? Who's going to pay for it? You know, how are you going to get through that? How are you going to, you know, work on retirement? What are you going to do in retirement? And, and you, yeah. you and Michael are right on, man. I mean, it's so exciting when you plan that way. Yeah. And you actually have a chance of hitting it. Right. You know, exactly. when you're, when you're doing it. So good point. Hey, coming up on Wednesday, Judith Ward, who's a senior financial planner at T. Rowe Price. Guess what she's talking about, OG? They did a study about target date funds. And guess what? Target date funds really uh, look like a good place to be. Actually, investors who use target date funds did very, very well during the last uh, stock market downturn. So they did some work. Obviously, we've talked negatively about target date funds on this show. Love having uh, the other side of that coin on here. More behavioral finance. Uh, that's This is Behavioral Finance Week, and Judith is going to have some great stuff for us. So we'll see you back here on Wednesday, OG. This show is the property of the Free Financial Advisor, LLC, copyright 2016. The show is created and written by Joe Saul Cihai and edited by the amazing Steve Stewart. Thanks to Michael Kay for coming down to the basement to talk about values on our show. It's about time someone had some values around here, boys. For more on his book, The Feel Rich Project, visit our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. And special thanks to OG for agreeing to take all these Honus Wagner and Shoeless Joe Jackson and those stupid rookie Mickey Mantle cards off my hands. By getting rid of those old things, I now have plenty of room for all my new ones. Bonus! The part of Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, has been nominated for an Oscar. So I do a lot of uh, dinner workshops. Well, not a lot, but I do some, right? And the restaurant where I do them at is kind enough to send me a gift card every time I do one. It's a small thank you for the large, you know, restaurant bill after I get done with doing a retirement income workshop. But I accumulate them because, you know, it's a $50 gift card. You know, you can't buy much with that for this at this restaurant. Anyway. So I accumulate a couple of them and, and I've got several hundred dollars worth of gift cards. And my mom was in town for the baby. My brother was in town for the baby. His girlfriend was in town for the baby. My wife and I hadn't gone out and, you know, God knows how long. So I said, oh, we got all these gift cards. Let's go to the restaurant, to this nice restaurant. We'll send the boys to the pool with a babysitter and we'll bring the baby and we'll have a nice dinner as fast as we can eat it while she's sleeping. It's a typical steakhouse. You go in, they give you the song and dance. Here's the wine list. Here's the specials. We've got this uh, special lobster that just came in off the boat from Antigua or something, whatever. 
And so uh, I've been there a number of times, so I know how to get it. I go, to go around the table, boom, 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 everybody orders. My brother, who's sitting next to me, had ordered uh, one of the special steaks on the menu for today. And it comes out, and this should have been your first clue, it came out on a wood platter on fire. And he ate it, and then the bill came. And I want you to guess at how much the brother of OG spent. Oh, no. For a steak. Oh, no. Should we do this and have some kind of giveaway? We got something to give away. Let's do that. Yes. Okay. Jason Vitug was recently on the show. You know, he's the guy going across the United States talking about financial wellness. Sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jason has, we have two more books of Jason's. Let's give away okay. one. Of, let's give away one of Jason's. Books. All right. You this is going to be Price is Right style. Closest to without going over. Yeah. Awesome. This is the special steak. I'm not going to tell you anything about it. It's just the, you know, it's it, it, all because that's all the information I got. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us here at this fancy steakhouse. In addition to our main, you know, menu, we also have these specials. You know, it's a fine bone-in ribeye. But they didn't tell you how much it was going to cost. It's not one of those restaurants. Yes, right. It's a, it's a nice bone-in ribeye. That's all I'm going to give you because that's all I got out of the deal. So, did you want to? It's a little brother, right? It is my little brother. Did yes. you want to go give him a swirly afterwards? <laughs> well, he's bigger than me, but I think I could still take him <laughs> and. um he felt so bad when the bill came because, you know, I don't ever look at a restaurant bill. I don't know if you do or don't. I very rarely look at it. I usually just, you know, card out, credit card it and be done. Sorry, uh, debit card. Sorry, Steve. I mean, debit card. I certainly don't earn any membership or points on my Amex card. Um, but I did have a couple of gift cards. So that helped, you know, a couple hundred dollars. But I happened to look at it because it was a big it was a big table. It was five of us. And I just wanted to gl- just glance, you know, and I look and I'm like, okay, steak, 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 steak. Okay. It's, you know, a couple of coffees, a bottle of wine, you know, I get down to the bottom and I'm like, oh, look at that. And I turned it around. And I said, I hope your steak was good. And slid it across the table and his face got pale white, like, oh, I hope he doesn't expect me to pay for this. So closest to without going over, it gets you, uh, what do we say? A free book? Free book. Yes, so. Jason V. Tug's book, uh, you only, which is a fantastic read. So you got two days. Let's just we'll, we'll wrap this up on Wednesday, okay? Yeah, we're not going to be able. That. We're not going to be able to do that because of our taping schedule. What are you talking about? Oh, we're not going to know who. No, I'm just saying the entry period. I, we'll just talk on Wednesday's show. We'll just say how much it is. So you got Monday, Tuesday, and ah, you know what I mean. You got two days to put your entry in. Yes, we'll we'll award the winner. We'll tell you who it is later, but I'll disclose the thing to kind yes. of. Got we it. We don't need to drag this out Absolutely. for six weeks. I I see. Yeah. So t- two days we won't know the winner. I'm like, there's there's no way. <laughs> that I'm, I'm trying to figure out our Back to the Future game plan on that deal. Right. Yeah. All right. Sounds good, man. Where we're going, we don't need roads. All right, we'll see you back here on Wednesday. Uh, See you Tuesday, actually, for uh, the Green Room, everybody.
Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.